Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Amen. Well, tonight, just a little uh, different um, message, if you will, or uh, time in God's Word. And um, just kind of some things I was praying about and thinking about this day of independence that we celebrate. Uh, I read something uh, last week that was interesting, and I, and I didn't take the time to go and verify if this is true, but I heard that Israel uh, celebrates Memorial Day right before their Independence Day, which makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, to remember all the, the men and women who uh, have served and given their lives for the independence and then celebrate the independence. And so um, I thought, you know, maybe I'll write uh, 45 and see if he would make uh, June an entire month of, of military uh, remembrance. You know, that would be good, like to have an entire month that we remember our military men and women before we celebrate it on the 4th of July. Maybe we all could write 45 of that. Amen. Hey, did y'all see that too? On the, I saw something people are saying that the they're boycotting Walmart because they came out with that impeach 45. Did y'all see that? Anybody boycotting Walmart? I mean, you don't have to. I'm not like trying to judge anything. I just thought it was interesting. Um, but it is such a, a strange thing when you think about like our independence and, and Brother Nosh was sharing that. Um, you know, you, you read polls and you kind of look at that and you think, you know, is that really true? 47% of people, only 47% are proud to be American. I, I just, I, I, was, I was raised in the country when I was a kid, and I am very proud to be an American, and this is just the way that I think. Maybe they could just go somewhere else, the 53. I, I'm, I'm not saying, I don't, I don't know these people, and, and I would I'd like for them to have Jesus, um, but maybe they could go to Nicaragua. You know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a different condition in Nicaragua than it is here. I'm thinking if you don't, if you don't like it, if not, maybe go somewhere like it's, it's war-torn, you know? I mean, um, do what? Yeah, go fix it. Yeah, and, and not only that, you think of, uh, of, of our nation, and I just think, man, we, this is, I think, the reality, and you hear me say some of this stuff often. I think that we're just a bunch of spoiled brats in America. I do. I mean, I think we are, we can have this mentality. I'll talk a little bit about that tonight. But um, anyways, I just got to thinking about some things I'm, I'm thankful for about freedom or about liberty. And where my heart and my mind was in just praying about this was specifically dealing with our spiritual liberty. Uh, because, you know, we have brothers and sisters around the world that don't have the national liberties that we have. Uh, they live in maybe socialism or they live in oppressed nations or whatever, um, and they don't enjoy what we have, but they are just as spiritually free as you and I are. And, and I think, man, we have not only the spiritual liberty that our brothers and sisters around the world have, but we have this amazing national liberty that's coupled with it. And I just wonder, like, do we really get that? Are we really grateful for those things? And, and again, that's why I, I felt like, you know, as I, I thought July 4th, Wednesday, should we meet and, 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 and get together and, and worship the Lord? And as I shared Sunday, where I went to was, why would we not? You know, that's kind of like the same thing as saying, well, I know that we have the right to bear arms, but 
we're not going to bear arms. What they say is that you've got to practice your liberties in order to keep them, right? And I'm thinking, the greatest liberty we have as Christians, maybe, I, I believe, is the, the ability to freely worship our Lord. And so why would we not on, on Independence Day gather together as the Lord's people and worship our Lord? It's a freedom that we have that, again, our brothers and sisters around the world, some of them don't have that. And so, um, I, again, I was just thinking about these things. So I have seven things that I'm thankful for. And so I just entitled this uh, Independence Day Gratitude. And uh, hopefully maybe we'll, we'll get these. You can jot them down and we'll leave this place, go watch some fireworks or whatever. And uh, just kind of reflect on this and then maybe also use it as a little bit of fuel, a little bit of help moving forward. Say, you know what, I, I'm going to be more mindful of these liberties that I have as a Christian uh, as we reflect on these. So uh, let's pray and then we'll go through this. We shouldn't be too long tonight. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for uh, what we've already been able to, to do tonight just in, in gratitude to you and thanks to you. Uh, for our, this great nation. Thank you for, as Brother Turner already uh, thanked you for, but thank you for all the men and women who have uh, gone before us, e even all the way back to uh, those first founders um, that left everything, and, and many of them uh, coming here to pursue that religious liberty. And I just thank you for uh, all of them from, from, from the very beginning of our nation until now who have served and are serving, who have given their lives so that we can stand here and, and sit here today in a completely free nation and uh, do this. Call upon you freely, worship you freely, and again, we're thankful for that. And we're thankful for your grace. We're thankful for your love, thankful for uh, the free salvation that you've provided for us through uh, the death of your son. And again, we're, we're thankful that we have freedom uh, because of what you've done for us. And Lord, we pray tonight as we think about these things and as we um, hopefully are reminded of the gratitude we should have in these things, that uh, it'll impact our lives. And maybe we look at Independence Day a little bit different moving forward, and maybe we handle it a little bit differently, um, maybe a little more with a little more regard for, for the freedom that we have in you. Um, Lord, just move now. Use me as a vessel. We want you to be honored, and we'll praise you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, you want to follow along in your Bibles. We're with 2 Corinthians chapter 3 is going to be the first scripture that we look at. Uh, several different scriptures we'll see tonight um, through these seven things or six things. Um, and this first one is um, a little bit interesting. The, the, the reason why I shared this scripture, and you'll see in just a second, based on the first thing that I'm thankful that we're, uh, free, we have liberty in, and uh, it's because of what this was for the nation of Israel and the people of God, essentially, uh, what, what Paul's covering with these Corinthians. And so he says, but if the ministration of death, written and engraved in stones, he's talking about the, the law of God, was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. So again, Paul's making this case that the, the, the Old Testament, the, the, the law of God that was given to Moses, uh, when Moses received it on that mountaintop, the glory of God was so bright that when he came down, we know, you know the story, the children of Israel couldn't look on, on him because of this glory. Um, and so Paul is explaining to them that it was a glorious encounter. And this law that was written in stones was an amazing thing. It says his glory was to be done away with, though. It says, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious or be more glorious than the, 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 the ministration of that first law? 
because, because if the ministration of condemnation be glory, because we know what the, that's what the law did. The law showed us this is sin. And because this is sin, you are sinners. And because you are sinners, you're going to die. That's what the law did. And so Paul says, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be glorious? Because the ministration of the condemnation be glory. Much more does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by the reason of the glory that excelleth. Because again, when you compare the two, the, 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 the ministry of the Spirit of God, which comes you know, when Jesus comes, uh, far out, out, outweighs and far exceeds the, the, the ministry of the law. So look what he says. For that which was done away was, uh, done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, or we use boldness. And not as Moses, because what did Moses do? He says, Moses put a veil over his faith, the face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which, was ab which is abolished. Again, talking about the law. And so he says this, But their minds were blinded, for unto this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. So what Paul was telling these Corinthians is this. Moses came down, and because of this glory, this, this glorious encounter with God concerning the law of God, he had to veil his face. He didn't come out with this great boldness. And what Paul is trying to explain to them as is when we encounter God in salvation in the, in the spirit of God, uh, then this glory, this encounter is a glorious encounter. And it should embolden us as the ministers of the Lord uh, in this way. And so what he's saying this, right here, this veil, though, that Moses put over to conceal this glory in this, in this ministry of the law remains even to this day for those that are under the law. He said, but this veil was done away in Christ. There's, it wasn't to, to continue on uh, after Christ. But even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. They're still not seeing that God freed them in Jesus Christ. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now look at this. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom. And look what Paul says in verse 18. But we all, with an open face beholding as it, as it is in a glass, a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So the first thing that I'm thankful for that we're free from is legalism. Amen. Legalism. And you say, well, what does this have to do with that? Again, these, these, these Jews, their, their hearts, Paul was explaining to the Corinthians, their hearts were still veiled in this legalism. When the law of Moses is read, they're, they're, they're still wrapped up in this law. The law was given, again, so that sin would be made manifest that it was sin. It was never intended to save anybody. The law never was, it was never given so that somebody could be regenerated by obeying the law. And again, the Jews missed that, and they made it about keeping the law to be righteous. It was a legal matter that depended upon man keeping that law. What I love is this, that God took care of the legal aspect of our righteousness through the transaction of Jesus Christ's death on the cross. He took care of it. It was a transaction. It was a legal transaction. Christ's death to give us life. We deserved it. His blood was that payment that we are justified by. Again, by faith, we're justified uh, in Jesus Christ. And so, 
Not by us performing all aspects of law. Matter of fact, we're told that if any man offends one point of law, he's offended the whole law. Again, the Pharisees condemned those who weren't following the letter of the law. And again, Paul was pointing this out even to the Corinthians. There's some people that their heart's still veiled. That's not open to the freedom that's available in Jesus Christ. The freedom from that bondage. So these Pharisees come along and they say, you know what? You're not following the, the letter of the law. Yet they offended the law in many points themselves. Jesus pointed that out. You guys are, 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 are talking about these things, but you need to be concerned about this beam that's in your eye. You're concerned about that speck in somebody else's eye. You need to be concerned about that beam that's in your eye. So in our freedom, the Spirit of God in us, being liberated by the Spirit of God, there's no place for the Pharisee. There's no place for Phariseeism. Jesus showed that. So the Pharisaic spirit that, again, even abides today, has no place in the temple of God. I want to encourage all of us tonight in this Independence Day uh, service to consider the truth that there's no one in here or no one on this earth that has attained to the perfect man. Nor will we. We haven't arrived. We, we will not get to that place in this earth. And Brother Jaron, we're talking today about sanctification. We're talking about uh, that process of the Holy Spirit making us holy. The, the reality is this, is we don't make ourselves holy. He does the process in us. Yes, it's us submitting and yielding and obeying, but it's a process that only a holy God can do inside of us. But again, there's oftentimes people have this idea that maybe they've come to a better place than someone else. And I'm not saying there's not people that aren't more mature, that people haven't, don't have more knowledge or understanding. Of course, the Bible teaches that there are some that do that. We also know that there are places that God gives leadership. And again, those things are in, uh, in, in Scripture. But no man, can, no man can fulfill all of the righteous law of God. We're all in that process. We're all in process of sanctification. Again, Paul said, from glory to glory, we're being changed. So I love the fact that we're freed from this great weight of the law that was uh, abiding on mankind. Now under grace, not under law, as Paul said, we are absolutely free. Again, the, the Pharisees were real good at, at fighting. They were good, uh, good at, at, at seeing uh, fault in other people and pointing those problems out in other people. And this is the interesting thing about the Pharisees. As much as they found fault in other people, they weren't happy with the solutions that Jesus provided. Isn't that interesting? And I think that's the same Pharisaic spirit that can abide today, even in the Lord's church. People can be real good at finding problems, but they don't like the solutions when they're given sometimes. And sometimes people hear this thing, yeah, you, you, need, to just, you need to pray about that. Uh, I, no, I don't want to. You know, or I've prayed about that. But when they mean they prayed about it, maybe they prayed about it for two minutes in the prayer that they prayed before their supper. Or so, you know. This Pharisee spirit, uh, spirit is, is something that finds problems, not solution. If we would honestly just follow Jesus, if we would honestly just say, you know what, I'm going to enjoy the, the freedoms this, or this aspect of freedom, of being free 
from this, this Pharisaic spirit or this legalism. If we would love as we are loved, we would forgive as we are forgiven. If we would forbear, in other words, be long-suffering as God is with us, with each other. If we would stay focused on the purpose of our lives, and I think that we could enjoy and be really thankful for this freedom from legalism. Now, I want to say this before I move on to the next one. This doesn't remove accountability in the church. Somebody says, so what you're saying is we, we don't need anybody saying, well, this is wrong and that's wrong. No, no, no. The Word of God does that. And again, there's leaders in the church. And, and even as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are to admonish each other in love. And so, again, it doesn't remove accountability. It doesn't remove admonishment. But it does remove that Pharisaic spirit that only finds problems. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to miss the mark. And chances are, I may even upset you in doing that. Not by desire or not by something that I want to do. And I don't even like saying that I, I might do that. And I don't want to continue down that path. I would never want to do that. But I will say this. I thank God that I'm freed from the condemnation of the law because of Jesus. Amen. And so let's remember that's the case for all of us. That there's a person sitting next to you that, that's going to mess up. They're going to fail. They're going to they're miss the mark at some point in time. That, that, that's just because we all fall short. Let's remember that. But in that, let's also be faithful to exhort each other, to encourage each other, to live faithfully, to live for the Lord in the freedom that we have. Let's, let's not say, you know what, they messed up. They hurt my feelings. They missed the mark. And they are bad for that. Instead of doing that, let's encourage each other. Let's exhort each other and say, hey, let's keep pushing on. Let's do it God's way. If they need to be forgiven, let's forgive as we're forgiven. If, whatever the case is, let's make sure that we do as, as God has designed. Because, again, we have the freedom from that legalism that condemns. Romans 6, verse 18 is the next scripture that leads to the next thing. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. In verse 18, verse 20 Skip down, it says, For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had you then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? What, what was the fruit of the, that life of sin? He, goes, he says this, because the end of those things is death. What, what, what a life of sin produces is death, he says. So you were a servant of sin, you can do no righteousness, and that life was leading to death. That was the fruit of it. But, he says in verse 30, uh, 22, now being made free from sin... And become the servants of God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the, in the end, everlasting life. And so again, now that you've been taken away from being servants of sin, and now that you are servants of God, the fruit of your life is an everlasting life, the end of your life. He says, because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so... Um, this makes me so thankful that we are free from slavery to sin. Again, before we were in Christ, before, before we were uh, the servants of, of Christ, because we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we were servants to sin. We could do nothing but serve sin. We could do no righteousness in ourselves. Again, Paul was telling the Romans that. He said you, you, you couldn't do anything. You had, you had nothing to do with righteousness because you were the servants. You were under the bondage of sin. You serve sin. You were a slave to sin. And so as Christians, when we, when we get that free gift of eternal life, we're completely free from the slavery to sin. And being made free from that, we're freed from its wages, again, which is death. Which also means, as he said in verse 23, that we have the gift 
of eternal life. And this is what the amazing thing is in this. This affords us the privilege that we can actually serve, as he said, the servants of God. Did you get that? Just think about that for a second. Servants of God. When you were taken away from being a servant of sin, you were made a servant of God. And, and, and I, I just want to encourage you tonight with this thought that when I'm thankful that we're no longer the, 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 the slaves to sin or servants to sin. Do, do we see ourselves then, as Paul did, as a bondservant, a willing servant of God? Because that's, that was the exchange. When we said, I'm, I, I'm repenting of my sin, I'm placing my faith in Jesus Christ, I trust his payment on the cross, I believe in his resurrection from the dead, I give my life to you, I'm no longer in control, my trust is in you, that's salvation. When you completely do that, not just with words, but your life is given out, you're saved. Jesus Christ, the spirit of, of freedom, the Lord, which is that spirit as we read in 2 Corinthians, takes us and releases us from that bondage, that slavery, that sin had us in. It was shackling us and it was carrying us to death He's taken us now, and we're placed under the lordship of Jesus Christ. How many people see their lives as the servants of God? It's not just the pastor's job to be the servant of God. It's not just missionary's job to be the servant of God. It's not just the song leaders to be a servant of God. Every single child of God is a servant of God. When we're freed from being slaves to sin, we're made slaves to God. But it's not, a, it's not a burden, a heavy burden. As I said, this is an amazing privilege that we can actually serve as, as vessels that we did, we did nothing ourselves to make ourselves clean. We did nothing ourselves to make ourselves suitable for God to use. But he in his righteousness and his grace, he makes us servants. And as the children of God, we can actually have the privilege of serving him. And we can actually have the, the, the ability because the spirit of God in us to obey God. Once and, and, and for all, before we could not obey God, we could do maybe uh, things that, that, that were similar to righteous acts, but it did nothing to please God because we were the servants of sin. Now we can obey God. And think about this. We can actually, our lives, which I think if we were to go around this room and say, look, I'm the chiefest of sinners, we'd get in an argument to how many of us were, felt like that we were the chiefest of sinners. Amen. But the amazing thing, I, I'm looking at you, no, I'm done. <laughs> But think about this. We can actually do things in these vessels that honor a perfectly holy God. That blows my mind. Because when I think of my life, I'm thinking there's nothing I could do that could bring honor to a holy God. And consider how unholy we are. Really, we are. Again, our only righteousness, our only holiness, our only goodness at all comes from Jesus Christ. Nothing about ourselves. I don't care how long we've been in church. I don't, know how much, I don't care how much Bible we know. Nothing good is from us. All of our goodness, all of our righteousness, all of our, 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 our ability to do anything for God that pleases him comes from him. And so to honor the one true, perfect, holy God in this freedom is an amazing privilege that I'm thankful for. Again, we don't have anything in ourselves that gives us that privilege. I've not done anything to give myself the privilege to bring honor to God. It's because he's freed me from being a servant of sin to being his servant. And he's made my life a vessel and your life a vessel 
that we can do anything to serve him. It's an amazing thought. Amazing. I'm so thankful that we're no longer the servants of sin. Number three, we'll look at the scripture first, Galatians chapter 5. For brethren, you've been called unto liberty or freedom. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Or, or don't use the freedom that you have in Jesus Christ to do what you want to do. Remember what we just read? That you're no longer the servants of sin, but you're the servants of God. Now that we're saved, now that we're Christian, we are the servants of God. That means we don't say, I don't think I want to do this. We don't say, I don't feel like doing this. We don't say, I'm just not feeling it right now. We don't say, I don't know, that may be for them, not for me. We, we don't have that right. Just like when we were servants of sin, we didn't have the right to, to, to think that we could please God because we're the servants of sin. Now as the servants of God, it's all like this. God, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? Because again, we forfeited, we forfeited our life doing what we wanted to do when we said, yes, I want to be freed from sin. I want to be freed from the fruit of sin, which is death. I want to be freed from that, and I want to have everlasting life. And when we were freed from that, we were given this liberty to finally be the servants of God. And so Paul's telling the Galatians, don't use this liberty to do what you want to do. You had that life before when you were living in sin and then servants of sin. Don't do that anymore. Don't use that liberty to please your flesh. But with this liberty, look what he says. Serve by love, serve one another. Because the law, all the law, is fulfilled in one word, even this. Here it is. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So, so again, this is a, a simple concept. As I said in the very beginning, if we would just use this, this amazing thing that God has given us, this liberty to love and to serve, if we would do that, I think it would solve so many of our problems in the church and even in America. But we don't have that mentality. We have this entitlement mentality. We have this idea that because we are free in Christ, we can do whatever we want to do, right? I don't feel like doing that. I don't want to do that. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't think that I should have to do that. You shouldn't have to do that. You get to do that. And, and you need to take back those words, I don't want, and I don't feel. You, you don't do that. Why? Because a servant doesn't do that. A, a servant says, what will thou have me to do? And so the apostle Paul is telling these Galatians, you have freedom. And don't use that freedom to do what you want to do. Use that freedom to serve other people. And you need to do it with love. Emergency. Look what he says, though. But if you bite and devour one another, you need to pay attention that you don't be consumed one another. So, if, so if, you, if you go at each other and you're attacking each other and you're tearing each other down and, 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 you're, and you're having that legalism and you're, you're pointing out all these faults and all these problems and, and, and you're, you're doing all these things, you are going to destroy yourselves. He says, pay attention that you don't do that. So, serve one another in love because all the law is fulfilled in this. So I'm thankful, number three, that we have freedom to love and to serve one another. If you had a place in your life right now where it's not a joy to serve other people, you're not experiencing the freedom that you've been given in Christ the right way. You're not appreciating the freedom that you have in Christ the right way. Your heart's in, 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 in bent in the wrong direction if, if you don't find it to, to be an absolute joy to serve other people. 
with love. Because again, this is what Scripture tells us, that we have freedom to have love in our hearts to other people and to, with that love, serve other people. Oftentimes we get disenchanted. We get discouraged and maybe even disenfranchised. I don't even know if I want to be a part of this anymore. We get so far disconnected from what God wants through the church, in the church and through the church. And we forget that it's in love that we get to serve. Yeah, it's going to get hard at times. Yeah, it's going to be frustrating at times. Yeah, it can get really difficult at times. It, 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 it can, we can have those things as we're serving other people. Why? Because we are people. But when we lose sight that it's, it's a blessing and the freedom to serve other people, I think it happens a lot faster. We have freedom to serve. Think about this. We don't deserve this either. We aren't entitled to a certain place or a certain uh, title or, 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 or a certain uh, work or anything like that other than servant. Remember, the servants of God. You you've been made the servants of God. Man, I, I love the example that we have in Jesus Christ. What did he do right before he left? He reached down and he washed his, his disciples' feet. He said, just like I've done for you, do for others. His love led the way. Again, the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sin. Think about Jesus. He knew one was a betrayer. He knew one was, was going to deny him. He told them this before it ever happened. Yet he still loved them all the way through the cross. So with that example, you and I, in our freedom, are to put others ahead of ourselves in every way. Again, we saw that Sunday. Other people. I'm thinking about them, and I'm going to serve other people. It's a humbling honor to serve others in our spiritual liberty, and I hope that we don't forget that. John chapter 8, next verse, it says this in verse 36. If the Son therefore make you free, you shall be free indeed. Romans chapter 8, verse 21. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ, has, Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Number four thing that I'm thankful for is I'm thankful that our freedom comes from God. And you say, you, know, you say well, that's such a simple thing. No, no, no. That's a major thing. Amen. Because God is eternal. God is uh, he's unchangeable. He's immovable. He is uh, he's spirit. He is, he is above all. And so the fact that he grants us freedom means that that's permanent freedom. That means no one can touch that freedom. Again, you can have spiritual freedom without having national freedom. And nothing, no, nothing or no one can take that away. So I'm thankful that our freedom comes from God. Our spiritual freedom comes from God. Now, we didn't free ourselves. The truth is this. We can turn back again, as Paul just said, don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. We can do that. We're freed from that. But we can turn again and, and try to go back and live under this bondage of sin that had us there before. The reality is this. Ultimately, we're still spiritually free. The truth is this as well. We could not free ourselves, so God did it for us. Think about that. I've, I've never fought in a, in a battle. I've never... I don't know what it's like to be a prisoner of war. I don't know what it's like to maybe be, um, you know, extracted from a, a prisoner situation. But can you imagine 
what that feels like for those, those men and women who have been captured in war before, and maybe our men and women, and to have special forces come in under the cover of darkness and nobody knowing what's going on except for them, and them coming in and freeing one of their fellow soldiers or, or Marines or whatever. What, what amazing relief and, 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 and joy and excitement they must have. I mean, to, to think that someone came and did something that you couldn't do for yourself. Again, and that's in the temporal realm. God did something for us that we couldn't do ourselves in the spiritual realm concerning our eternity. And so um, I think about this and I think, man, I'm so thankful that he loved me so much that he did what it took to free us. He freed me. He freed you. That's an amazing thing to be thankful for. John chapter 8, verse 31. It says, Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. That's how you prove that you're my disciples, if you continue my word. And you shall know the truth. Look at this. And the truth shall make you free. Number five, I'm thankful that we are free because we have the truth. There's so many deceptions in the world. I'm so thankful that there is one truth and that we have it. I mean, think, think about this. We, there, are, there are people that go door to door that are selling a lie. It, 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 in some people's way, in some people's eyes, it seems very similar to the truth. And that's the way that Satan works. This is close to it. No, but it's not at all the truth. I'm so thankful that we have the truth. And we talked to a, a young man today that said that he goes to a, uh, an Indian temple. And... Um, you know, the Hindus, they're pantheistic. They believe in many gods. Think about this. We know there is one true God, one creator, and it's because we have the truth. That truth is what has set us free. And that's what Jesus, I'm so thankful that we have the truth. Our joy, our peace, our hope of eternity comes from our absolute truth. And that is true freedom. To know that you have the truth is true freedom. That's what Jesus was saying. Those without the truth have no freedom at all. They're still in bondage. And as, as, as much nirvana as they think that they're going to experience or, as, or the enlightenment they think they're going to experience, it's all a lie. It's all false sense from the enemy. It's not true freedom at all. But with this, it places on us a huge responsibility to have the truth. Think about this. To have the truth, the only truth that can set anybody free is given to us. You and I have the only key, the only truth that's going to set anybody free. We have it. You have it sitting there at your office. You have it sitting there in the restaurant. We have it, we have it here at this church with this community all around it. We have the only truth that can set men free. That's a huge responsibility. That's a huge responsibility. So make sure that we're upholding what we should uphold is in this responsibility and faithfully sharing with others. First Peter chapter two, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king or as supreme or to governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. So what is he saying? If there's a government in place, yield yourselves to it. Submit to it. Don't rebel against it, only unless they're calling you to rebel against your God. 
Otherwise, submit because God uses them to take care of evildoers and also reward those that do well. Verse 15, for so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put the silence to ignorance of foolish men as free, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. There it is again, servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Simple creed there, right? But it's interesting that Peter is pointing out you need to make sure that you submit your lives to authority because you've been given freedom to do so. You've been given freedom to, to, to be kind to other people, not to use your freedom to tear other people down or, or as a cloak of maliciousness. You've been given freedom and use it to be sincere and kind and to be a submitted servant. And that's what number six is. I'm thankful that we have freedom to be sincere. I'm thankful that we have freedom to be kind, that we have freedom to even submit our lives to earthly rulers. Right? Because there, there are some in, in some nations that have no freedom at all like that. They don't have the, 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 the freedom they are forced to. It's a dictatorship. It's a, it's a monarch, whatever the case may be. We have the freedom. And in this liberty that we have in Christ and even in this nation, we're told in Scripture that we are to, to use this freedom as the servants of God. Live sincere lives. Be kind and submit, submit your lives. Again, before Christ, we were in rebellion, not in submission to God. We had no choice but to be submitted to sin. And I believe that we, in our national freedom, have, have lost the value in and the blessing of submission. Did you hear what I said? I think because of our national freedom, we've lost the value of submitting. We, we, don't, we don't value what it is to submit to something or to someone, right? Because when the boss does something we don't like, we like to go and rebel in, in, in a certain way just because that's the spirit that, that rises up in us, right? So we go and tell somebody else or we bucket or whatever. We don't, we don't have this, this, this submission as, as a blessing. I don't, I don't like to do that. I could do a better job or I this or I don't, you know, again, we forget. As I said, I think that we've grown entitled in our personhood. Our freedom has made us proud and not humble. It even pours over in the church. Something that goes on we don't like. Instead of humbling ourselves before the Lord and staying in a submitted place and doing things God's way, oftentimes we puff ourselves up in pride and we handle things in the flesh and not with the spirit and the freedom that God has given us to handle it that way. The reason why that's such an amazing thing, an amazing gift, is because even a lost person can handle things sinfully and pridefully. It's only a freed servant of God that can handle things humbly and stay submitted and handle things in the spirit. So again, I feel like that we have lost the value and the blessing of living a life of humility and humbleness. It's interesting that Peter the one that Christ essentially hands things off to after his ascension, is admonishing believers to honor the emperor, right? Jesus even taught that. When they were trying to pin him against him, he said, hey, uh, should, we, should we give this? And he said, hey, uh, who's, whose face is on that? He said, it's Caesar's. He says, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give to God what's God's. Just because we are servants of God doesn't mean that we don't submit ourselves to the authority on earth. 
One of the reasons that we are in our freedom uh, to honor the emperor and to submit our lives to earthly authorities is it's a way that we make ourselves above reproach in this world. We show the lost world that we have the right way. I pray that we see this freedom differently than the world does. Again, we're free to serve each other. We can choose this. And uh, again, I, I think about the martyrs. I think about the apostles. And do you know what it was? It was such an honor for, for many of the martyrs and the apostles to lay down their lives for the king of kings. And do you know why it was? Because they saw this as a liberty they had to lay down their lives for the one that laid down, their, laid down his life for them. We have freedom. We have national freedom. We have spiritual freedom. I think, again, we've become so self-saturated that we miss that that freedom is to be used for others. Leads me to the last thing. I'm so thankful for men and women who have laid down their lives and who still fight today laying down their lives Amen. for our national freedom. Many men and women have gone before us in the faith and laid down their lives. Again, the, the apostles, many martyrs, there are people today still being martyred for their faith. And they're going before us in, in this spiritual battle. They, they, they have this, uh, this, this uh, example set before us. But also in our national freedom. Many men and women have done that. John Adams said this, Liberty must at all hazards be supported with complete abandon. No reservation. At all hazards, be supported. Look what he says. We have a right to it derived from our maker. Again, liberty is something that is, is a God-given right. But look what he says. But if we had not, if it wasn't a, a right given to us by our maker, our fathers have earned and bought it for us at the expense of their ease, their estates, their pleasure, and their blood. Again, they say that if you don't exercise your freedoms, you'll lose it. I, I, I don't think that we have a problem in many regards exercising our national freedoms and enjoy exercising them, right? We have freedom of speech. We like that freedom, and we like to exercise that freedom. Some people do it more freely on Facebook than they do in person, but still, they like the freedom of speech. That's true, right? You get out there, and you can say things, and, and you love that freedom of speech. Don't necessarily say it to that person, and, you know, because you can say it passive-aggressively on social media and not biblically in person, it just makes us enjoy that freedom, right? We enjoy exercising the freedom of religion. I do. I, I like being able to come here and not worrying about somebody breaking down our doors and saying you're doing something illegally. I love the freedom that we can sing, and, and we even have neighbors coming over and saying, hey, your music's too loud. Can you turn it? I mean, I, I, I love that we have freedom to, to shout it from the rooftops. I mean, I love the freedom. I love the freedom to bear arms. I love the freedom that, that we, can, we can do that. I mean, um, you know, to, to, to guard against tyranny, to, uh, to even do things that we enjoy, like hunt and stuff like that. So I enjoy those freedoms, but I wonder, as I'm closing tonight, as the spiritually free of God, if we enjoy our spiritual liberty in the same way of practice as we do our national liberty. Remember what we have freedom to do? Serve the Lord, serve others. Submit to earthly government. 
So some questions. Do we enjoy being freed from sin? That's a, that's a, that could be a very deep question. Do we enjoy being freed from sin? Or do we still enjoy sin? Do we enjoy loving and serving others in our freedom? Or do we have to be, does, do our arms have to be sometimes twisted to love and to serve others? It's freedom to do that. The only way we have that is in Jesus Christ. Do we freely enjoy obeying the Lord and not because we have to? Do we enjoy and frequent the truth, the Word of God, that set us free? And do we share it with others who are deceived? Do we enjoy being sincere? Do we enjoy being kind to others? And again, do we enjoy living a submitted life? I pray that this Independence Day, we're not only thankful for our national freedom, but again, most importantly, for our spiritual freedom. And I pray that this Independence Day, being thankful about these spiritual liberties that we have, on this day that we celebrate our national freedom, maybe something would change moving forward. Maybe we'd say, you know what? I'm going to start looking at the spiritual liberties that I have with a lot more value than I do. Because here's the reality. I think for most of us, this is what happens. We get up, we go through our daily routine, and we never think about the liberties that we have in Jesus Christ. We, if they're not even a thought. Now, if somebody were to infringe on those spiritual liberties, now, we might have a little bit of a problem. But we, we are so, again, saturated and so blessed by the national freedoms that we don't think about it every single day. Man, I have the freedom of speech. Today, I'm bearing arms. I have the freedom of bear. Today, I have the freedom. To, we don't think of it like that. We come to Independence Day, and we really think about that. We think about it on other days that we ce celebrate our military and stuff like that. But every day of our lives, we should be practicing our spiritual liberties, and it should be a reminder of those great spiritual liberties that we do have. But again, it's so easy to forget getting wrapped up in this world. So again, I, I pray that we take these with us, seven things that, that I'm thankful for on this Independence Day, and uh, hopefully, again, you, you are thankful for as well. Um, I want to ask our, uh, if you'll just come tonight and play something, we don't have to really sing anything. Um, and just for a couple minutes, not, not a long time, but if you just want to come to the altar tonight or there where you're sitting, and thank God for not only our national liberty, uh, but also maybe these spiritual liberties. Maybe you want to even say, God, I have not seen my spiritual liberty like was taught tonight. I kind of thought that now I'm free in Christ, I can kind of do whatever I want to do, and you'd be okay with it because of your grace. We're free to submit. We're free to be servants once and for all. Maybe we just come and thank God for that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for uh, this tonight. Uh, just these things that are uh, just spiritual liberties and, again, our national liberty. We're thankful that you give us these things. We're thankful that uh, you are the one that gives us the freedom. We're thankful for your word, thankful that we can serve you, thankful that we can uh, serve other people, uh, that we can live a life of obedience. Again, all these things you've done for us. And I pray that we wouldn't take them for granted. I pray that we wouldn't forget them. I pray that we wouldn't look at serving you or serving others as a burden, but, as again, as a privilege. And, um, Lord, help us to get our hearts and our minds set in the right way, uh, in a way that pleases you. And I pray that you just move now for a few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen.